Hey, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by me. Me, the NYV, that's at NY Varsity Sports. Watching me, watching you. Got Oz, Oz Borges. Borges? Borges. Oz Borges on episode 58, and the episode starts right now. <laughs> I messed that up. <laughs> Still messing up. Look at this. Let's do. It's like a play uh, of fingers there. You. It's like uh, playing video games. Got or something. you right there, man. All right, center screen. What's up, people? This is Jason Dubilius. This is the Option Podcast. This is episode 58. And I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. Oz, Borges, what's up, man? Is that what people want? I don't know if that people want Yo, that. listen, there's not anyone in the South Bay that does not respect you. They know you, they love you, and that's why I want you on my show. Um, Thank you. It's good to hear that. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's good to be oblivious to that too, man. Because you, this is the South Bay. You look to the left and to the right too much, you, you become paranoid. <laughs> that's that's the God's honest truth. So, Oz, um, sitting eating a Kit Kat. We had before we got on the podcast, we talked about. Um, I asked you if you were coaching more than playing these days, and you you said you really started doing most of your coaching here when you moved to South Bay. The floor is yours. Pick it up. Yeah, I mean, in LA, I really started to to coach more, um, and Andor is the one who got me into it. You know, he, he I was going through a rough patch here, and he's like, "Hey, why don't you come uh, help me?" Um, I really didn't think about that. Um, I was just too focused on a few other things on my career, uh, but I was uh, coming from uh, helping Miami Dade College, which is an NC. Um, yep. You know, it's a junior college. No, it's a junior college. Oh, NJ. Okay. NJ, yeah. So they come in from a couple of championships, and I was, you know, helping uh, my, my friend and coach there, Nico, <clears throat> with the girls and whatnot. And, you know, a lot of experience in that. And also, you know, growing up in Cuba, you, you're taught when you're learning, you're taught how to teach. It's not just learning, it's just the philosophy has to be how do you learn it in a way that you can teach it that way you actually learn something yeah right yep uh there's a lot of ways understanding it took you know for me the the example of uh coaching sometimes i didn't get it and it kind of came out of dumb in a way but the explanation wasn't good that's why you know that i'm well known for analogies like i do crazy analogies yeah so the kids can actually understand um I wasn't really coached in a way that you know kids can understand. Sometimes your your mindset, you know, it's different. You're a kid. You're like butterflies and girls and whatever uh, when when you're a kid. So to present it in a way that you can understand, I think is more key than having the knowledge as a coach. Um, so, you know, com- how, coming from, uh, from that experience in Cuba, then Miami was very easy working with college girls and here was more with kids. So it was very new, um, not having to deal with girls or guys that, um, knew exactly what I was, you know, explaining. I had to kind of start from scratch with them. A lot of beginners and middle school and high school yep. kids. And that's mostly <clears throat> what I do now. So that's pretty much what I did a lot of coaching here in LA 2013. 
uh, alongside as I was trying to still play, but not really focusing on playing, just, you know, all the things in my career that we can talk about later. But volleyball, <clears throat> I think, uh, um, you know, you, we all know that it is a career like any sport that you have to be 100% in it. And a lot of us, because of financial issues, because of, of you know, life itself, we cannot focus 100% and then kind of fades away a little bit. You know, you got a family, you got, you got to feed the family, you got to feed yourself. Uh, it's a sport that sadly, it's not, a, it is a rich sport in a way, but it's <laughs> not a rich sport. It's for us athletes and all the pros out there. It's very few that can say that half a career that can make money doing the sport. Uh, one of the few sports actually that happens. Uh, other than that, you know, everybody's struggling, you know, that's why they call it, uh, we call it ourselves, um, volleyball is kind of like the bum sports, or the bum of sports. I mean, you have beach tennis and all the sports that just came out and they have sponsors and whatnot and money and the players are traveling and you still have the volleyball players struggling to live. So, you know, because of that and I, um, you know, focus on coaching and, you know, doing the other stuff that I'm doing, which we'll get to. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, I'm a little bit older, but I think we're probably from the same school. When you were growing up, and this is just an off-the-wall question, but I think you'll appreciate it. Were you allowed to take the court and um, if you couldn't take care of first hit? Say that again? First first hit, meaning serve, receive, free ball, down ball. Were you, did they allow you, growing up, did they allow you to take the court if you couldn't take care of first hit? Let's just say that... <laughs> Um, you know, in, in poor countries, let's say Cuba, right? So Cuba is well known for, for sports, athletes, and whatnot. You don't get to do something until perfection, right? So volleyball specifically, um, they say that the wall is your friend. Your best friend is a wall. So we, we <laughs> have gigantic walls, usually in the institutions that we practice, and you were pretty much four or five months on a wall. And if you don't get better on those four or five months and passing, setting, and doing defense, pretty much hitting to the wall and digging yourself, then you're pretty much going to get kicked out. Like, you have to, you know, get better. If not, they bring in somebody else that's better than you. Yeah. And that's kind of like a beginner. And then there's a very competitive um, system where, like, 16, 18 people start and, through the whole year, they start cutting people and cutting people, cutting people. And by the end of the year, um, 10 people just make it to the national uh, competition. Mm -hmm. And then those are the people that travel. Yeah. It's pretty similar to Dominican Republic. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they have, they actually have a lot of our coaches. My, a lot of my coaches from, from my hometown, they ended up coaching the national team, the junior yeah. national team. Yeah. The system is pretty similar. But yeah, if you don't dominate past set or at least Bali and you know, a certain amount of things, you're not going to be able to go and jump and hit. So people, you know, everybody here, when they're learning, all they want to do is hit. They're like, well, you know what? If you can pass and if you can at least volley the ball, you know, or set it, yep. or do a certain amount of basic things, in a lot of third world countries or a lot of countries in Europe, you pretty much are not going to be allowed to, you know, go out there. Obviously, it's the thing that everybody loves to do the most. So on on your own, you go and try to do it, right? You try to mimic what you see from the more advanced players. But, yeah, you're not really uh, <laughs> able to move on in a way if you're not, you know. 
I mean, let's include into that the approach. If you're not, you do hundreds of thousands of approach steps, yeah. you're not hitting the ball. If you don't memorize that, like your name, you're never gonna get a ball up and being able to hit it. Because uh. until you memorize that, then you're not thinking about the steps. You're just going and looking for the ball and approaching and jumping, hitting the ball. Right. So that's why it's so important to, you know, learn those basic things and then not thinking about it anymore. Yeah, because this is something I remember. And, um, and the reason why I asked is because I was, um, I wasn't taught how to play by American coaches. You know, I grew, I grew up. You know, if you needed, if you wanted good volleyball, you had to go to where the immigra- the immigration population was. So for me, it was the Dominicans uptown. And, yep. and there's something I'll never forget. It's that goddamn wall. <laughs> that wall, yeah. It's that, man, the wall, the wall is your relationship. The wall is your girlfriend. Always, the always girl, your friend. The and then when you dominate things and you learn how to float serve, then yeah. it's all like float serve pass. Float serve, the hundred, even when you're a dance, you start your day with the wall. Your, the wall is yeah. your best friend always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very similar. Um, you know, I grew up with some Polish people. Same thing. You know, yeah, Europeans are very, very yeah. technical, very like disciplined on on that as well. Not not as much as I've seen in this country. There's mm. not a concern by a lot of people on techniques. Uh, just the result, <laughs> which is, you know, if it works, it works for them. But in reality... There's not a lot of people really pursuing techniques, just yeah. trying to achieve that goal. And then if it's working, it's working. Or make it a big man's game. Yeah, you know, that, like, that yeah. too, that too. But, you know. Yeah, for, I mean, for me, um, like somewhere, I think, between the 90s and up, um, it, you know, when it started turning into a big man's game and you had someone that was a little shorter but had a better skill set, the, the, the balance shifted where they would just go with the bigger guy because they, I don't know if the coach, if it's coach's arrogance or where they think they could just teach anybody that skill set. Yeah. Um, but I think there are certain people that are just either A, more talented, that's just a natural and it comes with more natural, or B, they just worked really, really hard at it where it's just second nature. And um, I think you as an indoor player, right, have you, have you seen the shift? Um, like... Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, I think, it again, you know, when I moved to this country, I saw more that it mattered here than I was used to, in a way. You know, watching and playing a lot of international indoor kind of at that high level. Um, again, I was never able to travel with the team because politically they didn't allow me to in a right. communist country. Uh, because you know, factual reasons, I have family outside of the country and whatnot, you know, that's a different situation, but we played really high level and, and out there, indoor and beach, and uh, our our thing was having the balls to actually siding out and being able to not, you know, be caught up by the height of these people. So I saw guys that are five nine flying chest over the net, do you think that the height really matters when you're flying that high? No. All my teammates were like that. You know, as you see in Cuba, it's always been a physical animal when it comes to jumping. Like Dennis Marshall, like uh, Angel Dennis and Marshall and a bunch of those guys uh, internationally well-known, there are hundreds of those in Cuba. Hundreds. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, very few make it to the national team because of extra reasons. It turns in political but, or yeah. Yeah, a lot of other reasons too, you know. But um, but a lot of those guys are, you know, five nine, six one, and and they're as capable of those guys that we all know. So, growing in that and seeing a lot of other people from other countries, like let's just put it right now, like Yoshida from Japan. This guy's like six two. You know, it doesn't really matter how high you are as long as you can deliver it's true and i'm always amazed that in the lands of these giants and these mythological beasts right these just gargantuans um when it comes down to like all tournament team or like best player in the world isn't it isn't it bizarre isn't that ironic that it's always the guy who's six two or six three yeah, I mean, right. you I remember, deliver, I remember, t- I remember Taylor Sander getting best player. I remember, you know, this guy from Cuba that jumped like 48 or 51 inches, like one best offensive player, and he wasn't even like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah Freddie yeah. Brooks Bongo. I remember him. From, del- you- remember the lefty from the 90s, Freddie Bro- uh, Brooks Bongo? Um, they just had, he had Brooke on the back of his jersey. Um, lefty. Oh, Brooks, yeah, yeah. yeah I man. remember Brooks, yeah. I was yep. growing up, and then you got Hernandez. Yep. Osvaldo you, Hernandez. Ooh, yeah. Um, Joel de España. You got Joel de Spain. Yeah. I mean, you got so many big guys. Did he marry Mario Luis? I think they Maria I think, Luis, he, I think I, they married. They got married. No, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure, but no, Maria Luis. Uh, I mean, I'm actually, uh, I know Maria, and then I'm talking to her about, uh, right now to, uh, I'm developing, and she, she did a book, and I'm developing a docuseries about the path of, the Cuban team that won three Olympics in a row. Um, They're so the only the only indoor three P team. The under yeah, yeah. the only indoor three P team. Men or women, yep. And that was historic, and the the fight that they had with Brazil and whatnot. You know, it, it was a, an insane story, and so. Did that, that spilled over after the match was over? Yeah, right? always in semifinals. It always took. Couldn't even shake hands like like mammals. <laughs> yeah, it always uh, uh, happens. A lot of prep talk happened in. Um, in the middle of the games, and then mm. after, like, as they were shaking hands, it always it was something going on. Like That's stuff. one that you know that it was very famous, that that tournament in Brazil, right, that they really wanted to win it, and Cuba ended up winning it. But uh, there's many, many of uh, occasions that they ended up, like, you know, talking a lot and almost fighting because of the fire, you know, and the very respected teams, yeah. both, they respect each other. But that fire of wanting to win, right? It's how much you really want to win. Yeah. So. I mean, in 2000, I think, um, I believe the um, Cuba beat um, China. They, um, I don't remember who they beat in 1992. I know they beat. No, in 2000, I think it was Russia. They beat the and, Russians. And Australia, and they were losing 2-0, and, and they ended up yeah. coming back three three sets. These Russians were yeah. tired. I know there's a lot of politics involved in that, too. I know in 96... They were promised that they would get get opportunities to play in like Japan and play in Italy and yeah, yeah I mean always. And, been and I think like Castro had an issue with that. There's always <clears> been <throat> issues with that. I mean, honestly, even if you're able to play out outside of the the country, like for example, Osvaldo and Joe de Spain, there were there were guys that played in, they were the top players in in Serie A in, in Italy, most paid athletes all the time. Yeah. And, yep. and then when they come back to Cuba then the government keep 90% of all that and they, you know mm. as an athlete you spending your energy and your sweat <laughs> and somebody else is oh let me just keep 90% of what you're making yeah I heard a little story in 2000 um, where Cuba the women were promised um, they, they were allowed to pursue contracts and then and then it turns out it wasn't to be and then 
they lost the first two matches in pool. <laughs> now listen, so after those two matches, they pretty much dominated all the way to the gold at home. I think it took them four sets to beat Russia or, or China or whatever. But but um, I wonder if someone said, no, no, hey, listen, let's work something out. <laughs> you need to win. You, yo, you, you need know. to win. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I don't think it's like that. But, you know, it, it is sad to up. see, like, uh, the, um, the, there was an assembled team that won the Champions League uh, as Cuba. They allowed them to, to play... And that's why a lot of the guys, including Juan Torena, when yeah. he was playing for Cuba, uh, I think Marshall was on that team. You know, I played against Juan Torena growing up a lot uh, on the national uh, championships, and a bunch of the other guys that you know they also defected, and um, you know they're now like top players or they were at the time. And all that was because they won the champions, the Champions League. Yep. Uh, they earn a million dollars to split among the team, and they got zero. Hmm. So they, as soon as they, right. they got back to Cuba and pick. travel again, I think uh, out of the 15, 16 people, maybe two came back. And it was the captain, Roca and Pimienta, <laughs> yeah. the center. Take, that's it. While you're talking, take a look to your, your, your left. That's the that's the magnificent run they had pretty much from ninety one. Yeah, ten, ten in a 91 row. Ninety one all the way up to there. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just recently look at the short because that's part of the the things that I'm that I'm doing with uh, with the series that we're developing for for that. It's, it's right, incredible, baby. and and then you see those you know only ten, but it's incredibly hard. This is a very competitive. I mean, Soviet Union and China used to dominating. Yeah. Don't even talk about Brazil. Brazil was top before. Yeah. This team kind of well, the Chinese won. were really good too with combination plays and staying in system. I remember the unified team, which was the Russians, they made it all the way to 92. Um, I'm gonna uh, zoom in on that one. Um, the United States was a bronze medal winless, winner, they beat Brazil for the bronze, but they met Cuba in the semifinals, which by the way went to five sets. Yeah, um, Mariela Luis played a magnificent game as well as um, um, Lu Luis and Ruiz. And our best player, Karen Kebner, our, our all-around best player, five sets, yeah. zero kills. Recently, I just Did you hear that? I actually watched that match recently. That was the curse. Five, was. five sets, zero kills. That was, um, and she's, she's, she's like, she, hates, she hated to use that like as a straw, straw man argument, but that's the curse, <laughs> right? That's the curse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, God, but God bless. And that, that's cool you're doing some work with them on that. Yeah, I, everybody loves her. She's amazing. Um, and you know she's oh, she's a big advocate for volleyball internationally, not just in Cuba. Like she's constantly traveling and trying to develop more volleyball in poor communities. And and you know, she works for the for the FIBB. She's one of the top yeah. uh, spokespersons and and advocates for the FIBB internationally. So constantly, either doing speeches or or um, you know. Trying yeah. to, to help smaller communities and whatnot to grow the volleyball community. So listen, for those of you listening and on the podcast right now, a little brief education on Mario Luis. She's, she was, um, in my opinion, one the best female player in the world during during a three, she was three, three Jordan, Olympics. Michael Jordan. She volleyball. really was. She was she was five foot six and can dunk a basketball. Yeah. She was the youngest of eleven children. 
And I do, and it was also my understanding in the '96 Olympics or '92, she had a baby like before that. Yeah, before and one then, of this big. And then, like two weeks later, she did like a couple yeah. hundred sit-ups and went right back she on was, the team. She was not supposed to go on, on the Man. team, and she said, "I'm going." And yeah, she's like, "Go, you go deliver somebody's baby. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you know, go deliver someone else's baby." Well, I'm there's gonna a lot go. of stories that I know from obviously growing up in Cuba, and and you know, I I always heard uh, that she would go and train with the guys she'll go in yeah. and, and go hit balls and then kind of challenge the guys guys are jumping on guy on the men's net yeah chest over the net belly button over the net yeah well. and then she'll go and challenge them and it's just like a lot of times it'll be like there's no time there's no way to block her yeah so yeah. anyone that's never seen her before she was kind of like i would say like the female karch karai like if you look at like like for yeah. indoor volleyball like karch had this really sharp you know, ten foot long cross court thing like he hit, hit hit like dribble in front of the defense. Karch also had this whip on the line, like like and it's very. I'm I'm, I'm gonna try to look her up. I'm gonna try to find out uh, some highlights of this one. Cause yeah, this there's one, a bunch of videos on YouTube where you can you can uh, pop up real quick a minute and it's just insane because it's um, because of her jump she created so many angles that a lot of people were never ready for. And then when you step on these angles, then she'll go over the block and just easy, you know, go deep or against the hand, you know, on the hands. Yeah. It's Mireya Luis. Mireya Luis. Let's check it out. There she is. That's just, that's just ridiculous. That's some ridiculous shit right there, dude. Did you just see that? Because the camera didn't see that. That was the shot I was talking about. She had like a a cart, a cart worthy shot. That she hits the guy straight down on the line. And the yeah. And, and she's like, "What can I do?" <laughs> Jesus, just dribbling. That's like tennis, dude. Yeah, ain't nobody scared of no women's volleyball, though, huh? Yeah, dude. Dude, she, 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 be, she be afraid. Like, <laughs> always in she hits like like a man in a way. Like, yeah. There's no way. I mean, you see her technique. Yes. Uh, and if you look at the way Cuba was in, when they were in system, it was go ball all the way. This is before the go ball. That's that, that's a little slower. But they used to they used to push it faster to her, where she don't she'd have one on one and they, you know. And if you're double blocking the middle, like if like if you're double picking the middle with a right side blocker instead of a left side blocker. You're in trouble because you're leaving her enough uh, line to kick a field goal, dude. dude. Look at this. Ridic That's some ridiculous stuff right there, dude. Yeah, any 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 position, you throw the ball to her. Yeah. Let me a couple of more just for fun. <laughs> she got straight down in the middle. Like, yeah, man. The girl's no joke. <laughs> And she knew it. It's just, yeah. just go in your face and talk some crap, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the thing that intrigued me was that, oh, there it is. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. Can't help it, can she? That fire, you know? Come on, that's the dude block. Yeah. I'm sounding sexist right now. That's the dude block, man. Get, nah, yo, fuck out of here, man. Fuck out of here. Yeah, see how they pushed it out? And the block was so scattered. And it's crazy because after a while, look, after a while, coaches would smarten up. All right? They would just, they would, um, they're like, okay, we know what's going to her. Yeah. And we're going to triple team her and she still got killed. Nah, yeah. But even though that team was an all-star team, I mean, 
to be a three-time Olympic and win those ten titles in a row, you cannot have just one player. No, every single player they had they run the four-two. They ran uh, a six. System. They ran a six. Well, yeah, they call it here six is two. It's just four-two, four hitters, yeah. two setters, and then yeah. the you know the hit the the setter, the setters are always hitters, and then both both of the the setters were as good mm-hmm. as. That's Medea. Yeah, well, they're they're fantastic. They they went 4-2, and then one season they ran a 6-2. And then for a couple of games, and I've never seen this as a coach, but I've only heard of it, they ran a 6-3. It's it's, it's three setters and six hitters. Basically, it is a setter from the back row, but the way you shuffle the three setters, um, I'm like, I call bullshit. I've I've never even heard anything like that. Show me a video. And... And this is in the 90s when I when I was like, show me a video. I was at Hunter College for a cup of coffee, like 94. And then I was in Germany. And then they showed me a game, Cuba in 96. I don't, even, I don't remember the team. And I was like, well, wait, I eat your heart out, volleyball wait, coaches wait, wait. and trainers, explain man. Explain that to me. I never heard about the 6-3. All right, so 6-2 basically for the people listening at home and um, mostly real volleyball players because that's Oz. That's our wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, the setter usually plays position one. And there's two setters playing opposite of each other, and they're they're balancing out the attack. Sometimes, you know, when the other setters front row, they'll just play oppo. Um, where like in some systems, the setter is really good. They just play outside because if it's a back row setter all the time, the, the front row setter could play wherever they want. And in those systems, if the setter took first hit, right, you had a front row setter that could that could do that anyway. So six three. I don't even remember it. It was almost like a triangle thing where there was one rotation where there was a third setter that that um that that balanced it out because the two setters were effective front row hitters on the left and the right. So they had a third person set from the back row that would just come in. And I've only seen it once. And I can't tell you and I, I would love to try to describe to you what it looks like. <laughs> and you, I know we're gonna be on this podcast I, look, for a while. But um maybe it was a confusing yeah. moment, but I gotta tell you have you never even heard set, of it, right? No, the two setters would never go find each other in the front row because no. they're playing opposite to each other. So yep. yeah. that had to be a play where they run somebody else set it, maybe a fake play or something. Yep. But yeah, I mean, in 6-2 here, I call it 4-2. That's right. what I grew up, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, 4-2 here basically is whatever. It's a front row. Both setters stay front row. The, the setter back row probably just hits D zone or just plays D so. So four two is like front row setter two hitters, um, six two back row setter three hitters. And now I gotta look it up, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy. Yo, I'm a, yo, we ain't got no tech person today. Guess what? <laughs> Volleyball six three. That's what I want to look up because I've I've seen it on the national stage and only it was only done uh, uh, um, by the Cuba women's team. Volleyball. What is six three? Let's check that out. 6-3 requires you to have three very talented and versatile. Now, nah, let's come on. We need to educate everybody. A 6-3 requires you to have very talented and versatile players on your team that can do everything and do everything well. All three need to be able to set, hit, block, play middle, outside, and right side hitters. As for the other three positions on the floor, you can mix and match. <laughs> I am telling you, no yeah. coach practices this. This is you want to talk about something that's defunct. Well, we do. <laughs> we do have to learn every position. Like I mean, when I played indoor, I had to play every every single mm-hmm. thing. You know, you learn, you have to learn, like I said at the beginning, you have to learn how to, you know, 
learn the, the everything, but yep. also be able to teach it. So that means you have to learn how to play every position from the middle yep. to outside to right side to Livero to setter. So freaking Cubanos, man! Freaking Cubanos, man! Y'all just make making just up shit as we of, go along. We just have a lot of time in our hands, right here. here and and the other thing, we don't have to pay for it. Here yeah. is it's. I don't think a lot of people have the time in their hands. I mean, when I started in high school, and it, that was late, I practiced six hours a day. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any kid here that has the desire to practice six hours a day. Or the wherewithal. Like the, maybe or, or the one, physical capability. Maybe one yeah. or two that have the desire to really get better and they know that they can make it far, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they they go to practice in the morning, practice at nine, and homeschool, yeah. whatever. Three or days, uh, Or yeah. they go to school and after school, they go to practice again, you know. But, I mean, this is mandatory four hours and then two more hours after school for us. Growing up as a 14, 15-year-old kid, uh, that there's a lot of times there's no time for leisure. There's no time for hanging out or whatever. It was just, on the nonsense. weekends. There was some time, uh, one time that we were supposed to do a Mexico tour. And, and they we're training seven days a week for, I don't remember, eight hours. And then everything was technical. Everything was um, just with the ball. There was no weights or nothing. It's just trying to get ready for competition. It was a universitary tour. The last second kind of got canceled, but um, that was after we get won the championship in Cuba, uh, my my hometown. And so, um, you know, like there was a lot of, of there's a lot of things that allow you to get better in poor countries because, and I think the the key is you don't have to pay. Right here, you have to pay a lot of money to get your kids to to practice a sport any sport not just volleyball not true that so so that kind of like put a stop into how many hours can you really get quality training we're getting quality training all those hours i mean you put out together six hours a day six days a week that's 36 hours in a week that you're getting quality training with two or three coaches and sometimes individual training where you go with two guys and your coach and you're just doing this because there's so so many hours in the day that you can do things that you can just split the team and do so many things. Here, there's not, you know, I coach indoor for, for a while. There's not a lot of time to do that, even in college. That's like, true. Yeah. The college, the college sometimes they, with you know, when they trade, uh, they train uh, um, uh, technical or strategy or whatever they train, it's just a few hours, that's it. And then that's considered a lot. <laughs> that's considered a lot. It is considered a lot. You know, it's like, man, I mean, when was the last ju- time they just knew when was the last time you trained six hours? <laughs> I was like, come on, man, stop playing. Last time that I trained six hours, the last time that I played a tournament, that was the whole day, yeah, which is maybe two years ago. Yeah, let me, um, actually, let's, I was, that was the next thing I wanted to bring up a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how many times you made the draw, like the AVP draw, but, um, I was, um, it's just for me. It's just fun times, good times. I was at Hermosa Beach, you know, and I've known you already. We we worked together for endless summer. We worked for the the best, pretty much the best club team on the West Coast. The right, we just um, they lead the nation in commitments per capita. We we can you know we we can call them out if we want. Well, maybe just first names: Natalie, Serena. You know, Karina's already at USC, so I've already had this emotional investment to see you do do well. So I bring your attention to Hermosa Beach, playing with Brazilian, uh, Bruno and Marine. Yeah. You guys, um, 
did a really, really good job. You didn't have an easy bracket. I thought you had some, well, maybe easy if, you, if, you, if you're into schooling young cats. Like you had a lot of young, young upstarts. I think you had Hagen in your bracket. And um, yeah. you had a lot, a lot of guys that if you let them, they could out-hustle you, you know. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, they're shown they're that they're really, yeah, really good. Yeah, so we could talk about the path to the draw, but I'm going to bring your attention to the draw. You played Rafu. And um, Peter Marciniak first round. I think you, you lost um, 21-18, 21-18, which, by the way, was their closest. They were winner's bracket all the way to the summer. Yeah. That was, yeah, that did, was, that was as close as they got. We did them the warm-up. You know, we yeah. gave them an, an incredible first match. And because I, no one was even close after that. Like, they yeah. beat Mayer and Casebeer 14 and yeah. 14. I mean, that doesn't mean that we would have beat Mayer and Casebeer and the other guys. Every no, styles make matchups. But, you know, we were playing so well in that draw. And, and that actually was the first time that me and Bruno played step on the court together. Get out. Shut the front door. Yeah, we actually were almost <laughs> in a fight because, you know, two fires together. <laughs> and, and we were, like, yelling at each other in the first, you know, we lost the first game of the day real bad. And... Um, and they were like yelling at each other, like what to do, what not to do, and like, and I was like, listen to me, I'm behind <laughs> you, so just listen to what I'm telling you and do it, and then you see we're gonna win. Don't be selling me out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like when you step on a court with somebody you don't know, uh, how how this how do you play and the, the little the little things that they do, it's tricky to catch up too easy. I mean, too fast. Sorry. Right. So so. It's easier for the blocker to adjust than the defender because the defender is seeing everything behind. True. Uh, so the defender can say, hey, I need you to just do this and stick to that. And you can kind of adjust because you're seeing everything from a little further lens. Uh, the blocker is just seeing the ball and then it's too fast for them to to really, you know, find adjustments other than what your either coach or your defender is telling you. That's why the defender is usually kind of like a coach on the court. So that was kind of like, I want you to do this. He's like, oh, we were talking about, you know, things on the timeout or on the court. And you, if you watch the matches, we're always talking. But the first match, it was insane. We're losing to, you know, a, a team that we should definitely not, not you're lose. You're talking about the quality, right? Um, the quality, yeah, and the quality. That, that was the first time we yeah. actually stepped on a court together. Wow, and, dude. And you then, played um, Ospina and Dan Lee, but I think that was second round. No, that was the last round. That was the last round. And you yeah. played Smith, uh, Cole Fears and, and Hagen Smith, uh, St. John's kid. That was the kid. best and um, hardest match. Actually, yeah. after that, I almost cramped out. It was so yeah. hard that day. Yeah, two. We, I mean, you yeah. know, two young kids, but two setters, man. Two just intelligent players. They're I mean, hustle, setter. They're hustlers two, yeah. really anything. They're like really Cole Fears set for Stanford, right? Mm -hmm. um, Hagen ran a 6-2 at UCLA, you know, with um, um, Micah Maha. So, you know, I mean, setters, I mean, those... Those are probably the best players that transition from indoor to the beach as far as like right away because the skill set is already there, right? Mm -hmm. Outside hitters too, right? First first contact at the high level. Ain't nobody passing with their hands anyway. So mm -hmm. first contact is there and this and that. So yeah. So that was was that the one you had you had a little a little a little static? You and your partner was the game before that? Say that again. Was that was the game was that was, was that with the game you you and like Bruno had a little static? Yeah, just No, it was the game before. <laughs> it was the first you know, the first game in a qualifier where it was, you know, talking, try to get better. We lost the first game and it was a shock for us. Like, how can <clears> we <throat> lose? We played the first match <clears throat> at noon. It was probably 100 degrees. And the 100, <laughs> no, no joke. The sand yeah. was, we had 
sand socks and we ended up as you'll know we ended up with third degree burn that's why we almost forfeited the second match in the in the main draw yeah bruno was bruno had his feet started feet. to look like yeah. roast beef man and mine were also pretty <clears throat> bad but i mean no comparison to yeah. his uh like full on for you was it something that you noticed later because i i thought it was just until, until now until you told me I thought it was just a Bruno issue. I thought he had the problem and you were okay. No, no. And then we you, you, had you were moving almost, around the sand pretty well. We had almost the same amount of blisters. Um, I actually have a picture somewhere about both of our feet. You know, like four feet old blisters. Put it but between two pe- pieces of bread and serve it for lunch. In between the toes. Yeah. And in the center of the, of the foot, which, you know, like when you press, that's what kind of like, it's a lot of feeling, right? So... Mm-hmm. It's, it's very painful. And also in the back, in the heel. So when you plant, like, if you, I don't know if you watched the game against uh, um, the second match of the day on the main draw, we almost really forfeited. Like, I, I was like, just go in the middle, let's play I formation, let me just pass. <laughs> because, yeah, no doubt. you yeah, know, just... that, that, was, that was really painful. He couldn't really do much. Yeah. And you know what he... As far as like whole machismo and man, and manning up in these situations, I can't think of two more qualified candidates <laughs> than Bruno and Marine and Osborne. <laughs> you know, no, it's like, just, are you okay? You're like, go, get away, get away, get away. I'm fine. It's a you know? situation, you know. Yeah. You don't want to, you, you hype because you made the draw and, in, and you're in hometown. Like, yeah. you know, I live three blocks away and all my friends are there. You want to play. You, you don't want to just drop a game or forfeits. You just, even if you lose, you, you stick it up. They all popped up. I love this. You played Robertson Cook. Correct, yeah. That's who you played. I feel like we could have given a better game if yeah. we were, you know, it doesn't mean win again, but it means a better game where we had a strategy and, and following and whatnot. Was Robertson Cook, was that a, that was a draw match? Because I, I actually have the game right here. <laughs> no, that was that was draw, right? On contenders? Was that, uh, that was qualifier? Contenders. Okay. Contenders, yeah. Contenders, yeah. Wow, short match. Uh, I could see why because yeah, no, it was yeah. it was it was bad, like twenty one ten or eleven or something like that. Yep. It, it was bad. Well, I'm not gonna take they, your they worst. Up, I'm not gonna take your worst. They moment started for a with highlight. me, but they picked up that he was uh, he was worse than I was, like in, in terms of blisters and and all the stuff. And let's see if I could put in something for you. Uh, this is uh, Rafi and Marcinia. I love it. You got a Cuban, a Brazilian, a Puerto Rican, and a Polak <laughs> playing in the American Volleyball Professional <laughs> uh, Tournament. This is actually in front of the hotel. We're going to stay disciplined on that block, huh? Right? No, because sometimes you want to go after the hitter, right? And, and you're tempted to, to just abandon your... Abandon you or whatever. Now I'm sure that's a conversation you got. Yeah, it was more about staying disciplined and, and you know, it's just hard when you play indoor and then continue to play indoor. He was still playing professional indoor until right. last year, I think. So it's hard to adjust to not chasing the ball, right? Uh-huh. Instead of chasing the ball, you got to just go over an area yeah. here at the Plain Beach. So yeah, because you, you as a defender, you're putting a lot of trust in him too, right? Like if he's yeah, going to block cover, cross, cover he's going to block cross. You're not going to move away, and then the dude hits line. Dude turns around, is like, yep. "What you doing, Oz? <laughs> you can tell me, dude." <laughs> so um, yeah, very very glad y'all did that. And Bruno, um, I ended up 
I actually chatted with him after he won AVP America. And um, I think it was New Jersey. I think it was Atlantic City. Him and Angel, uh, Angel. On hell one together, and I was very, very happy. I was yeah, very, I was mad at him because he yeah. said that the animal was the best cute. I don't understand. <laughs> Get I'm out of mad. here. Hey, Bruno, we got to have on. a talk. Yeah, man. we got to yell. We got to have a talk, yeah, man. Me, yep. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I don't understand. <laughs> Come no, here. Come back. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I'm happy that he, you know, he definitely took it more serious. Again, I, I'm, I don't think I ever had, like, the time and commitment to... To, you know, I travel for a year or two, and yeah. not like a couple of like Rafi, for example. He's like really committed, like he's yeah. traveling a lot. A bunch of other guys are, but it takes that hard work, like anything, you know. So, um, let me ask you something. You wind up, like you said, you moved here. You wind up coaching more um, since you move and post post moving. Do you find yourself being able to communicate with your partners better as an athlete, as a professional athlete? Um, has coaching helped you with that, or has that always been with you? No, because I mean, we we we've done some training sessions. You act, you guys, you guys actually. I'm usually the guys trying to help train you guys, but I went to Carmel last week. <laughs> you got you guys actually trained my old my old ass, <laughs> fifty year old. No, no, it's just communication mm-hmm. and understanding. I guess yeah. you know. I, I think that's come easy. We we got to know that this sport is like many sports. It's communication mm-hmm. and being able to understand each other when you're in the court. Yeah. Know exactly what you want to get out of each other. Yeah, like the whole um, the sh- we were working on short bowls, like like shorties coming in, and your ability to just use your knee, knee to stand or whatever, and this and that. And I have taught that before, but as a player myself, like an indoor player who's who's who has learned repetitiously to do it a different way. Um, like you ever watch Karch? Um, doesn't hit a knees that he does something different and of course we're both willing to concede that there's more more than one way to skin a cat but i think for me in order for me to be a bit a better teacher of it i wanted to understand physically how it was done and that day when we were doing it you're like jason you're still come on still didn't hit the knee still didn't hit the knee it was um for people listening it was rob de aurora rob mclean and oz and myself and and i guess sometimes um gus uh, Gustavo, for, uh, who's the assistant coach at USC, who, who, who wanted to join, you know, join in. Um, for myself, I thought it was, I understood it better on, on a personal note. On, a, on I mean, I understood it anyway, but, but there's levels, just like there's levels of teaching someone how to do something, there's yeah. different levels on how you understand it and how you get it, you know? Yeah, again, it goes, back to, it goes back to actually being able to deliver the message it doesn't yeah. matter if you know it like there's a yeah. lot of people out there that know the everything mm-hmm. but how do they make the other person understand what you're trying to say or what you're trying to teach you know it it, it comes with with that if if you're not able to deliver that message and let the the, the person that you're teaching digest it and it's like oh oh yeah. this is how it is then you know, you haven't achieved your goal as a teacher in a way, right? Like when you're yeah. coaching and you're teaching, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, so, it's so, pretty much your only job. <laughs> so, you know, you, you teach it the right way and then and the other part of teaching is repeating it 100,000 times where, you know, you find yourself or kids find themselves uh, with a lot of people out there that might teach it the right way one time and then all they do is just throw balls in and they never repeat it. You know what? Like any kid that you're growing at home, you gotta say no twenty thousand times. We're gonna be going for the electricity cords, or they're gonna be going for other things. So you gotta keep repeating, repeating these people that you're training, 
constantly the same thing and go over the technique a hundred times so they can actually learn it. Um, so I think that's uh, like a key part of teaching, right? Not necessarily just teach it once and move on. Mm -hmm. um, but again, that's that's just me. Everybody else does their thing. I don't criticize. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying no, and, and and to me, there's there's more than one way to understand or appreciate something. I'll give you a theater example, like like b before I went to school for theater. You know, my B. I went to. I was in the BFA program in Marymount, Manhattan. Um, like I would in movies, I would sit through the credits because I thought it was like a respect thing, like a general respect thing. But then when you t you, you you know you finish acting one that first year, your four years of acting, you're like okay. I appreciate more. I appreciate sitting through the credits more. You know, you, you do it because, you know, that there's a general respect and you want to give the people that put the work in their respect. And then, but, so there's that level of understanding, which is, um, I would call acute. And then you take script analysis. Then you take elements of direction. You take advanced direction. You take um, movement for actress for general ensemble. Never mind voice and speech. The three years of voice and speech. Never mind, you know, the voice coaches. Never mind just the four years of acting, the Shakespeare, mm -hmm. the literature, uh, dramaturgs and all that stuff. And everybody that, that puts a play or a film together. And then you look at the credits. You're like, yeah, cool, man. No, my, 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 understand, my understanding is <laughs> a little bit. There's a lot of work behind a, all it's that. A tube, my, it goes from a cube to a, to a tube to over the top. So, so same same thing applies to volleyball. Something as a coach you can teach, and that you you try to get your kids to understand the why. Um, for me personally, and and maybe only for me, there's nothing in the world like getting on the court and just trying it yourself and appreciating how easy or difficult it is. And at the same time, you're very very careful to not use yourself as a comparison when you're trying to teach a kid. Right? It's a different body type, different age of experience, different. You know, the kid might be, you know, have longer legs. So there's so many things that come into play. Yeah, there's where, where you kind of fail as a coach if you use yourself there as an example. There are a lot of things that come in play yeah. on how and why they're doing it wrong. Yep. And mm -hmm. as a coach, you got to look at that and see what's working, what's not working, and what needs to work for them. Like an example, which is something that, you know, Rob and I were talking, Rob, Rob McLean were talking about. It's like the stance, the, as simple as a stance. How do you stand? Do you stand with your legs really tight or do you stand open wide? Yeah. Right? And it's like, look, it's whatever works for you. But the, the normal way, the, 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 the very standard way should be wide. So when you take that first step, you take a longer first step. Right, not wide like a split, like you more like a wide where you can pin, move yeah. agile, you know, agile, and we can you can actually take a fast step forward, sideways, backwards, whatever it is. Um, but if it works for you, doing a shorter step, and then it's, you know, the key, the thing is, you know, if it works for you and it's not wrong, make it work. You know, no, if no it, if you're not gonna be breaking uh, uh, the whole standard things you know like be doing it wrong why not yeah i am um, since we're on the subject of coaching i bring your attention to this uh, new generation of uh, beach volleyball players and and when i say new i'll be a little bit specific i'll just say ages 22 and down 22. meaning i'll bring your attention to chrissy jones you know play for cal poly I don't um, even know. She, oh, Chrissy Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, she, I wherever you are, whoever's listening, I want this woman on my show. Find her. Seek her out. Tell, Make her understand. It is the right way to go. This is the option podcast. God damn it. Find me, Chrissy Jones. All right, 22 years old, right? Play, play for Cal Poly. Made the semis. Um, and 
um, Hermosa Beach last year and also made the draw all three times yeah, I've been watching, for this three-week series. I've, I've been watching the, the, the games. I'm, dude, I want her on a show because the she's the best player no one's freaking talking about right now. Why are you not talking about this woman right now? Why are we not talking about this woman right now? Criminal. Shame. Yeah, very disciplined, very uh, technical. And, yep. and I think for her height, and she's, again, physical, mm-hmm. uh, jumps very high and, and all that, you know. She's, I think mentally, she's the next, mentally not too high, not star. too low. She's the next upcoming star. Like, yeah, and like a, and a cool head too. Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem like her big waves don't crash. Exactly, her big waves don't crash. Um, yeah. so all right, you got her right. You got Kraft and Maple, who at 15 and 17 years old finished. I'm lost fifth. with a new generation. If I don't see, um, like, I, 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 I'm. Been, no, but I'm just I'm just gonna throw out names. Some of them you may know, some of them you may not. The Norris twins, right? They're they're I've freshman them, yeah. year at USC. They yeah. made the main draw a bunch of times last year. And you watch this group of girls coming up, pretty much from twenty two, and Kraft at the time was sixteen or something like that. Maple and Kraft were sixteen and seventeen, finished fifth in Hermosa. And you look at this group of girls from ages I'll just say fifteen or sixteen to twenty two, just kicking the crap out of everybody that's in between. And when I say in between, I mean this huge gap between Ross and Klein and, you know, um, yeah. uh, Day, Day, Flint and Day and whatever. The top this, two teams and there's some yeah. middle of master teams that are like yes, but all you, around. But you look at this big gap of girls right now who will see these girls come up and be like, I need a coach. I need a real coach. I need to re-examine. I've been doing this all this all these years. Never mind the, the the huge patch of people that have been in the qualifier trying to make the draw, and they're just they're just giving the AVP their money. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, oh, oh yeah, they're here to have fun. They always say, "Oh, I'm just playing to have fun," but we know that's bullshit because somewhere in the middle, that ain't fun no more. They're serious. It's game two. No they're trying to, to find a way. Yes, there's no fun in losing. No, <laughs> no. But sooner or later, anyone I don't believe in anyone that tells me I'll play. Jay, come play. It's gonna be fun. Man, you, you're going to have to miss me with that one. But anyway, I guess my question, no, it is my belief, and I'll tell you, and I'm going to ask you if you co-sign on this or not. It is my belief that since it's become an NCAA sport, uh, and since it's become a business opportunity for coaches to, uh, for, for monetary gain, I, it is my strong belief that these girls are the product of better coaching. These girls coming up from 22 or whatever. Look, all of these girls in the middle of the pack, they can all jump high. They can all block. They all they all got good jump floaters, got good serve to space. And the thing that I, I strongly believe that 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 divides them, um, that divides this new wave of girls, the McNamara's, whatever, this tall, you know them too. Tina Gordina is going to the freaking Olympics. Tina's a Latvia. She um when AVP Hawaii happened, Tina qualified qualified for a bid tournament. Dane's Dane Dane just lost his best pair one player to the Olympics. <laughs> Dane Bland at USC. So and it's my best friend's goddaughter. So, Latvian. So, t- yeah, t- 21. 21 or whatever. I don't know. So, my, my, it is my belief that not the coaching's changed, but the coaching's been more involved in that age group that has allowed them to get better. Your thoughts? Um, He's like, I don't even know what you're asking, Jay. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know, man. I mean, look, there's a lot of athletes that are born with the skills that are able to pick up things real fast yeah. so what you have to do is point in the right direction and they'll pick it up in a second so they get better faster and a lot of these athletes that you mentioned are that right they really there are a lot of the other really ones are. that kind of develop late that was an example was me i developed very late um but you know 
everything is done in the beginning at the beginning it's a you know the example that i always put is professional athletes when you get to the nba you're learning a few tricks yeah. but you're not learning how to dribble no you're you're yeah. not learning how to shoot no you didn't learn like, how to block you're learning maybe if you see the guy doing this you do that if you see the guy shift then you shift you're learning strategical things so a lot of times when these these coaches get the kids or the athletes in a older age they get a lot of credit but all the work has already been done the credit goes to the coaches that started with the kids when the beginning the very beginning they taught her the right approach they taught her the right technique they taught her all the little things that matter that they can you know all the the skills that you can give them so they can go ahead and put it all together and become that athlete they are so yes if the coaches are involved and, and whatnot and they they're successful the athletes later okay not disrespect or no credit to them they have credit because they're coaching and through that success mm -hmm. but i think the biggest success is to the coaches that raise these kids from sucking in a way sometimes these kids suck to making them great right that's that's it i mean i think again if you go back to the same example that i'm putting for pro athletes you're not gonna ask you know i've seen plenty of college everything again i started coaching in miami day in the united states in miami day i've seen plenty of it and and there's not enough time for coaches in the day to coach because of regulations and in the week to have because there's a certain amount of things so they don't have the time to go and rework an athlete to no. do things right you want to rework a technique well you know what yep. if you don't know your technique you're not going to play no, of course if you don't know yeah. this you're not going to play right so a lot of these great athletes they're already great when they get there all you have to do is just feed them just add water yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's it yeah you know because a lot of these coaches honestly don't want to or they will never they will never be like you know what your arm is low, you should be hitting the ball higher. You're never gonna tell, like very few ones will do. The other ones are like, well, we gotta get better at uh, this or that, but that's it. That's as far as it goes, you know? Again, I'm yeah. not, not specifically criticizing anybody, it's just what I've seen. Uh, well, at I'm, that level, don't you think it's managing personalities too? It is just a lot of management and kind of babysitting in a way, but I mean, you know, following that same note is like, I went to a tournament here in Manhattan Beach uh, not long ago, Thing a year and a half ago, which is a big beach volleyball tournament, and there's a lot of universities came over, and I sat there to watch two matches, you know, like a couple of courts, and all I see is just balloons, not volleyballs, balloons, just like, <laughs> and I'm like, why are they teaching? Why are they coaching these kids? Like, it's a big university, D1 universities. Like, what are they? What is it was just very frustrating, and I walked out and I left. Yeah, yeah. And then, and, and then I'm yeah. like, number one, who's hiring these people? Number one, why are you getting this? You know, why are you not teaching these players to do X, Y amount of things? You know, like there's a lot of things involved in, in all these things that you're trying to find yeah. out. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's it's very complicated in a way. But <laughs> I mean, for me, I I I don't I I coach honestly for you know for the love of the sport and because i really want to pass on to 
you know, my knowledge to, to the kids and I really enjoy doing it, but it's nothing. I, if I really wanted to do it, I really, I really would have pushed to get one Dude. of those D1 college uh, <laughs> and, and, or universities coaching and then I would have made it a, a good, good like USC, you know, like they know what they're doing. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, again, a lot of these universities pretty much are wasting their money. I'm like an old, <laughs> old school Cuban comes in a scene and he's look, and you're looking at balloons. I can picture you with the sunglasses like this. Look, oh, no, I was sitting with a friend. I was like, what's this? This is like, you know, you feel like it's a watermelon. Like, you know, those balloons, uh, the, the beach balls, you know, the old school beach balls are like this big. Going back and forth and then the softest balls. Like, why do these girls don't know how to hit? Why didn't they know how to shoot the ball? Like... It's like nobody blocks, nobody does it. This is college level. Like, you don't see this at even D2 basketball. No. You, you know, I went, right. I went a year at college when I came to the States, and I went to a D2 school, and the D2 school was as good as many as, in basketball, was as good Absolutely. as many of the D1 level. Like, you don't see that, but then you see that in college. There's no excuse that it's a new NCAA sport or whatever. A bunch of overpaid yeah, waiters. Just, yep. Yeah. Well, I'm very, very privileged. When I, I moved here four and a half years ago, right? Um, ran into Deron Forbes on um, on the beach. Me, me and her are on timeout, but that's a whole, that's a whole other story. But um, I love her to pieces. Uh, she, she, I met her on the beach. She didn't know me from a can of paint. We had a conversation about volleyball that where the things I was talking about impressed her. She asked, asked me if I had a resume put me on you know and at the time she wasn't necessarily hard up for coaches and when I joined that group that was you who in my opinion still remains the uh, the most experienced um, coach and in, in, in terms of um, like you said drop, communicating the knowledge um, reflecting your experience um, understanding personalities and just your beach volleyball IQ so there was you there was um, Andrew Dentler who we we, we love dearly, right? Yeah. We love. Come on, we love us the dent. Oh yeah, I know. There was um uh, resident South Bay Dorka Miles Evans, you know, and, 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 and <laughs> who doesn't love that guy? And too. Exactly, <laughs> a lovable person. Now, him and his wife, right? They both chill people. Wait, wife, he's married. Yeah, he's got. Well, wait, wait, what? Damn, I just damn, I just blew you up. Uh, I, I, at least I think it's his wife, it's his girlfriend. I see her at karaoke girlfriend. all the time. Yeah, girlfriend. you know, but she's she's someone. That's a female him. She's 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 yeah, actually. Both, in fact, both. I think she's a little bit more extroverted than he is. So, <laughs> I got you, I got Miles, who I, I, Miles ain't a real coach. You know, he wasn't a real coach. He, I mean, he's he. Yeah, he was coming in and out. Like, yeah, he, he was playing. Yeah, he's well, he's, guy I call him a player focused. coach. Like a player coach is someone that's not gonna hurt his, hurt a player's game. It's just a question of how much they can help. Like someone like Miles will never ever ever hurt anybody's game. It's just the level of how much he can help and do, and depend on his personality and a player. This one a little bit, and this with this one, hey, they get along a lot bit. You know, where you, I thought you were just a straight up coach, and everyone got significantly better. Andrew picked up some stuff for you, so I was the fourth coach coming in. I already had. Not only did I have three guys, you know, that had a ton of more beach experience because I came in as a pure indoor who only played in Central Park. I used Central Park uh, the same way indoor players do the cross train. Um, you know, like the beach guys use me because we're the best blockers. We just bring we, we bring the under, indoor block going after hitters. So they use us and we use them. We come back indoor with the best trained, you know, the best conditioned athletes. So and so coming in was really, really it was an honor and a privilege to work with, with a bunch of you. And of course, coaches change. Jaron Barreto, very 
capable coach. Yeah. Um, Jeremy K. Spear was with us for a little bit. You know, again, player coach, but um, I give him a little bit more props because the more clinics you do, the, the more he learns himself. So I don't, right? I don't, we don't compartmentalize someone in one category from two years ago and then say that they're that same person now because that's that's fucking lazy. We don't do that. So um, yeah, that's why I asked you a question about the skill set and this and that because us alone. We're responsible for a lot of these girls going to college and, um, you know, and college is seeking them out. And it has a lot to do with what you did. Just taking people back to the old school. First hit. Yeah, there's you know? a lot of people that come in at certain points and help the kids many, many, many ways. So you know, I think that's that's so important. And a lot of the kids, you know, a lot of kids, there are a few that understand that and, and, and you know, how hard work they they need to do in a way right a lot of them just kind of going through the motions like, oh, i'm going to college oh, i'm doing they don't really understand that it is hard work now so you get there they've done the hard work to get there get to as good as they are they'll pt you to death man then, training but then once you get to that level again there's no more they need to get better now mm-hmm. because when you're in college if you're not at that level going back to the same thing i said they're not going to spend two hours a day that they can spend doing something else to teach you or reteach you into a certain amount of things technically or whatever. You know, maybe one or two if they really want you and need you. But if you're not at the level, if you're, you don't have the, the... There's 10 more that one that scholarship you have. A yeah. lot of the kids that we coach don't really understand. They have all the skill set and all the height and all whatever. They don't really understand this. They're yeah. just like, well, whatever. I'm good. I'm good. I'm winning tournaments. Well, they're also the recipient of good politics too, right? They're, if you're already in the South Bay, it's someone that doesn't have to travel to see you. They see you. And like you said, you know, if you get that first opportunity, someone offers you a bone, man. You know, but it happened plenty of times. You see play. the girls. Like I've seen plenty of the girls yeah. going into college. It's too hard for them or they can take the pressure. They quit. Yeah. You know? Well, that's the life of, an ath- of a college athlete, right? Some. No, no. That's the life of... People, certain uh, people. Right. If you are in it, you stick it out and you finish and you go for the win. And you don't wait for three years to see if you start. You go and, and try to start in the first and the second year. You also, And I think these athletes also have to ask themselves, do they want this to be their 12-month or 11-month experience? Right. I know the season's only two and a half months, but they're, you know, they have these, these pra- captain's practices. They have off-season. They have... Uh, um, a, a long non-traditional season then a preseason so you when you go to college you have to tell yourself is it's like are you are you snake bitten by the by the volley virus enough where you're you're more than willing to accept this to be a 12-month experience me hell yeah you at the time yeah this is this, you yeah. lived you lived and breathed that and some of the, some of these girls that that are really good that got good so good so fast Oz, it might not, it might not be, to, at least to their credit, at least if they're old enough to understand that they don't want that to be their 12-month experience, then they got to get the fuck out, you know? So, um, yeah, there's a lot, again, there are a lot of elements, a lot of elements that mm-hmm. go into that. Yeah. Um, there's a, the, the school sport stress, because they got to be able to deliver in school as yeah. well as able to deliver in, in sport. So a lot of people are not kind of... A lot of the girls and, and even the guys. I mean, we're talking more about the girls because, you know, we coach. I coach 90% of female uh, athletes, right? Yeah. So that's why I say, you know, girls, that 90% of the people that I coach, you know, young high school, middle school girls, when they, they're, they're getting, they have the stress of school already because high school is hard. And some of them are taking advanced classes. 
So that's hard. But then they go one hour, two hours to practice. That's okay. Now they go to college and they have even harder classes for them. Yep. Then you go five in the morning training, gym. Gym. Then you go to school. Sand dunes, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. Then you Mm -hmm. go. And then in the afternoon, you got another certain amount of things. There's really no time for the leisure they're used to, the whatever the the heck they want to do, all the fun stuff they used to do in high school. And they kind of lose the interest for that. They're not really committed in a way. They, at this point in high school, they really haven't sink in yet. No. They're just excited about going to college. They're excited about this, excited about that. They're getting a boyfriend or whatever. But then they get to college and they have no time to see the boyfriend. Or if they have time to see the boyfriend, they're failing a class. Yep. You know, like there's a lot of all the things that come in that, you know, kind of put a stop on on this athletes becoming better at certain points. And again, a lot of elements that go into into, into that. Yeah. But, so... Um, we're gonna. Move. I'd like us to move on to the Let's other. Let's move but, on. But before we do it, you have a special place in my heart. You became my close friend because. Um, well, big up to Andor and Andor volleyball one on one. That's our man, and and I'll leave that at that. And <laughs> yeah. Andor put me on the map too because I I got to do uh, beat reporting under under yeah, his, under, under his great. banner where I got to talk to pretty much every single person from the number one ranked player all the way down and international players too. Ringeri, Ludwig, Walkenhorst. So big up to Andor for that. But. Yo, I fell in love with you because you survived my driving. <laughs> yeah. Dude. I recommend it. <laughs> no. Alright, so guys, I'm gonna give you a description of Oz as a passenger in my car. So I'm sitting there running my mouth, because you know I could talk hundred miles an hour and, and and Oz is like, that's our exit, dude. And I'm all the way on the left. I'm like, no problem. Boom. Left lane, middle, second, third, fourth, fifth lane, boops, we're out. Bim, you know, and I'm I'm about to make a U-turn. He's like, there's no U-turn here. I'm like, dude, there's nobody watching. He's like, it's a cop, Jason. <laughs> it's a cop. It's just and after a while, I think you, you you didn't get scared anymore. You just you just went like this, like no, I literally just <laughs> kind of like a military uh, uh, military down. guy, kind of holding myself for yes. dear life. And, <laughs> you know, the worst part is I don't even know why why I did that more than once. You know, because I rode with you it's like a three times. Of love, man. It's done. Yo, that's called the labor of love. No, no, uh, no. no. Uh, just, you did that, you know, that was that was not fun. Let me tell you. <laughs> It was a 45-minute ride, and we made it in 20, and it was the most scary, the scariest 20 minutes of my yeah. life. I'm like, sh- I'm like, dude, shit, we're early, and you're like this, like, <laughs> of no, course we're early. Not, that, was, that was bad, man. Yo, we left the cops. We left the helicopters. <laughs> we, did a, no, no, no. We, we did a Grand Theft Auto, like, four-star thing. You're passing... You're passing the cops, and they're like, dude, that's a cop right there. He's like, oh, yeah, whatever. It is. Just, oh, just. oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's right. That, that, yeah, whoops, that is a cop. Yeah, how, how the hell did I not, am I not in jail? Well, you're so, too focused in talking and then looking to the side, not looking forward. You're looking at me all the time when you're talking. Cool. Um, so listen, let's, let's, um, you had a project a, a year, a year ago called Driver. Was it called? Uh, was it, uh, the, the Driver. Just a fun. Something just something you did I for did. fun? Something I did for fun. I mean, I, when I have time, I'll do some shorts and I mean, I guess you want to kind of intro people what I'm doing, you know? Well, I mean, there's some things you can talk about and there's some things you can't, right? If you have a project, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have no, a project no. that's hush, hush. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, know. no, no. But overall, like what, I, what I'm doing, I'll do that. I'll do that. Don't worry yeah. about it. 
So, well, so, to hell with that. Let's get what, what's up now. What do you got no, going on? No, now? it's not. It's not what I'm doing. Like what I'm doing overall. Like yeah. why are we talking about a film, right? So, uh, what people don't know is because you know I don't really talk about it. Is that I'm I've been writing for I don't know eight years, and writing not books, but I write you know screenplays and for TV and movies. So you know I own or run a company with uh, X Dodger uh, more known as the Wild Horse of the Cuban yes, Yasiel Puig. Yeah. He was the light of the Dodgers until he got traded and, and whatnot. But we're from the same hometown and we launched a company uh, together and uh, you know that's that's why I've never really got hundred percent into into uh, you know professional volleyball. Like it was hobby always has been a hobby. So you know over the course of the years just you know, working on certain areas and entertainment and, and now a lot of things are capitalizing but yeah we, casually uh, when we, whenever we have time then we'll go and shoot a film here and there uh, short film usually comedy something to have fun with and the driver is a film that I had Jason um, be a crazy guy in it so it was a lot of fun to, to see him do uh, what he went to school for that was hilarious <laughs> dude <laughs> that was hilarious I, I, he gave me permission to go off and I was so yeah. dude I was so prepared for that like there's some for people watching like you have to do a lot of uh, takes on a certain scene to, and you get a bunch of clips and you pick your favorite one I think we only had to do that scene twice, twice. yeah, it's yeah two and the takes, reason right? that we did it twice I like the it was lighting and and because we didn't have the lighter on we're doing like I think the first one you did it as a test kind of like a yeah, we like didn't a, have the prop, an imaginary prop. Yeah, yeah, we did an imaginary, and you killed it, and I was like, "Dang it!" Ah. But yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, and and you know, we're still doing some uh, editing on that and coloring because everything was in darkness, so it's it's very hard to, you know, getting the right guy to for cheap <laughs> to do it. Nice, but um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, and I did another one called Thirty Days with a bunch of influencers that uh, I'm still having. Uh, we're gonna send it out to the festival tour. Uh, three social media influencers in LA that are big guys. So, yeah, it's, it's trying to do stuff, and then in the meanwhile, a lot of other things for the feature films and all that that's coming. You know, that there's gonna be more stuff out there and no, press cool. and whatnot. Appreciate that, man. You got something coming up? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. actually a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Thirty days. Yeah. Wow. Bro. Now that one is just a short. Again, that's fun stuff. That's mm -hmm. uh, something that will. Uh, take out to the festivals and you just just put it out there in, in the comedy uh, I, lo I love your writing thank you I love your writing I, 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 lo I like it's lively um, it's engaging uh, I think certain people when people are, are doing screen screenwriting or whether you whether you're a playwright you want to have something that's real and human that people can identify with but at the same time um, not just something you see every day, right? It has to be interesting. It has to be funny. It has to be um, scary. It has to be... So there, I think a lot of writers are looking for the combination of something that's that's all of those things, but at the same time, it doesn't veer away from something that... The word that you're some, looking someone for. Someone said is, real, is a real possibility. Yeah, yeah Please, the, the right word that you're mentioning. You got this in one word? Real. Yeah. Yes. Real. Yeah, okay. Like, the stories that I want to tell, that I want to write, are real stories. Although I do like science fiction and all that, I want to tell stories that people connect to. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your color of the skin. It doesn't matter anything. Something that you can connect to uh, that 
you know, either make you cry, make you laugh, or whatever it is, um, you know, to, to also with the teaching. That's why I like a, I like a lot of the animation. I watch a lot of animation, not not only because I have a baby now, but because they, they have this very uh, um, subtle teachings in them mm-hmm. that it works for adults as much as it works for kids. Because a lot of adults really don't have a lot of, you know, right. I mean, lacking of values, let you say. Okay. So, so animation kind of like re, reinvigorates the values and, and certain things. And I like to, to watch some adult animation because of that. Um, so the stories that, that I want to be involved with are stories that matter, that tell something and teach something that you're going to stick with it for life in a way, right? So not necessarily, oh, I remember this movie because it's something I'm doing, but something that, that will help you either overcome something or anything positive in a way. So yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. And, and a lot of the projects that hand that we're doing at the moment uh they're all about that it's shining lights and in, in things that people don't know like a film that i'm doing about the porter veterans you know there's been a thing now but it's been happening since 2012 mm-hmm. lately now since for this election and all the drama happening um people talking about the porter veterans why not talking about it for the years that's been happening so we're doing a feature film now so it's an opportunistic time to, to um yeah we've been wanting to, to do it for a while we've actually been yeah. on this road for a while but um it, it's something very special for us because we can yourself you're a veteran yep yep i can appreciate so, that so you know it's one of my biggest peeves like you know this whole thing yeah so you know um we do we had a conversation about able, that right yep, yeah being able to to somehow shine a light and help a lot of guys that maybe made a mistake maybe maybe they didn't maybe they were just caught up in the machine and they were deported um you know how do we help these people a lot of people don't know like you know let's just say that a lot of a big percentage of military um you know army guys are from other countries and they don't uh end up becoming citizens because syz so if you're not a citizen you're just a green card holder, or a, or a, I mean, a legal alien. This yeah, country. I mean, let, let let's just get this out of the way first. Any to me, anyone that serves in the United States Army, boom, should should have instant citizenship. Thank you. Um, I mean, there there's right. I you're mean, giving your life for this country, you should become yeah, I mean, automatically citizen. Yeah, it's true. You and got, they should, yeah, the the process and all that. But guess what? Again, you're giving your life for this country. Like, why should you wait a crazy amount of years to? Right, maybe short and the, the average and the average amount of, of time in the service that you'll see someone, um, as, at least one uh, the first contract or first commitment is an average of three years. I mean, the, the least you could go is two, but a lot of people are signing are signing up for four years. So the average, and I'm, I'm a guy from the Philippines. Um, um, if you guys from Puerto Rico, I don't know if in the 90s of Puerto Rico was still part of the United States or a Commonwealth yeah. or whatever this and that. Um, you got. Um, yeah, you got translators. Yeah, you got all Germany, kinds of, you got, you got, all you got, kinds of got, people yeah. in the army or any branch that they sign up because they need to eat or they they you know they have they want to have a career whatever the reason there are they are legal in this country mm-hmm. but they're not citizens and the process lasts six to seven years. So what happens normally, which a lot of people don't know, uh-huh. is through that process if you're doing a tour 
or if you're uh, yeah. somewhere else, or even if you're in the United States, a lot of these guys do not or forget to, to become a citizen because the paperwork, because it, right? So there's not like a lot of help or reminding from the army. It's like, hey, why don't you become a citizen? Like they get the mail somebody else. There's so many factors. When you're out processing. Yeah, yeah processing, right? There should yeah. be an area, and I don't know if it exists, by the way. I'm just talking out of my head. Um, but there should be an area where like you're in the army, you're serving or you're in the military. There should be an area only for the military people to become a citizen there, not having to go through all the craziness. Because when I went, when I became a citizen, yeah. it was a nightmare. It yeah. was a nightmare, like fa filing paperwork and all that. And, 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 you know, it took months and months of stress. Like they could tell you no and, and so on. You're right. Like, everybody goes through that. That There's an immigrant. I mean, yeah, well, the Army does have something like that, but it's not extensive enough. Like, when I left, they can show you how to find the job, but I think that they can spend more money on, on how can I say, sh showing people, just showing examples, um, maybe have a boot camp, like an exit boot camp. I mean, the out processing is basically 10 to 12 days, and I don't think you're going to show a veteran or someone who's been... Um, in the army for four years, never mind someone that's been in there for 24 years, and that to show them how to be a civilian in just 10 days. <laughs> you know, it's not, I mean, it seems like it's plenty of time and it seems like all of the time is devoted to that, but there's a lot of nervous energy too, man. There's a lot of nervous energy. And, and for me, when it comes to, to people joining them, when it comes to sending people off to war and to getting their legs shot off and all that stuff, while some asshole plays, is on, is on TV playing golf, um, Nobody talks about where we're going to get the money then, right? When we, when we have to go to Iraq, when we have to go to Afghanistan, when we have to go to Syria, when we have to go to all of these places, right? When we have to invade Granada for two minutes. Nobody, when they're, when they're putting in paperwork, as far as balancing the budget and our military spending and how, they're going, um, and how we're going to get the money, you never, Oz, hear anybody talk about how we're going to pay for this. How we gonna, you never hear anybody, gonna, uh, but, what, but when they come back, when they come back and VA hospital needs more funding or something like VRAP, Veterans Retraining Assistance Program only has 40,000 applicants, but you got millions of vets out there. And I'll tell you about VRAP in a minute. But when it comes to those things, um, we can only do this amount. Where, where, where's the money? Where are we going to get the money from? Where are we gonna, that's bullshit. Absolute bullshit. You could spend all that money to, to send someone to war and stamp, stamp, stamp on your own ass, red, you know, big old red, white, and blue, and talk about how American you are and how patri patriotic you are. And if you don't respect, you know, if you if you don't support the Iraq War, you're you're not American. I'm not, I support you support the military, never mind the war. But then when you come back, entitlement spending, kiss my kiss my ass, <laughs> kiss my red, white, and blue ass, and that's the biggest problem I had with that. I had a problem with the um, the, the funding. And I have a problem with the management of funds. Like the, um, you can you can throw money at a problem, but if the people in charge of how to have a, the 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 cake is being sliced up is not right, then you just throw money into the fire. It's like a, a money to burn fireplace. You got old money, just throw it in there. Yeah, so I remember so, you mentioned that the difference between New oh York the New York VA and, yeah. and the LA VA is yeah. very very you know different. So, and, yeah. and similar funding. And the so, New York one, the James Peter Medical Center is. Awesome. People look at home, okay? There's there's two VAs. There's one on the upper uh, Lower East Side, 23rd Street. I don't know if it exists anymore. But there's one in the Bronx called the James Peters uh, a VA Hospital. And it was awesome. 
It was awesome. Plus, every everyone has served as your brother. So you're there, you're in this familiar ter- territory, and everybody's saying, what's good to everybody? Um, the L.A. one, dude, I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, you need, we need to go on your, your plan. We, we're doing this as fast as I can because I don't, you know, it was, a, it was a horror show. And to me, it was a testament. I don't know, I know correlation's not causation, but there's enough correlations to suggest that two big cities got similar funding and one is being managed properly. And, and you got help from the outside and the other is being severely mismanaged. I mean, um, Hospital for Special Surgery, one of the best hospitals in New York City. Those guys are, are volunteering their time. Those guys are doing two, two nights a week uh, um, or afternoons or whatever free time they have off their, off their watch. And they're going to VA, you know, just because they can. So, I mean, yeah. they're, 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 that's, called the, uh, that's called good management. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's... And, and I have a, a huge problem with that. I mean, take that and multiply it by 10. Anyone who serves in this country that's, that's, that doesn't have their citizenship, as soon as they get this thing right here called an honorable discharge, I'm going to take my camera and I'm going to point it at that right there. Where is it? I'm going, let's go on my camera. Bear with me, people. I'm going to do one of these. See that thing over there? That's an honorable discharge. Department of the Army. All right? You get one of those, you get one of those, you shouldn't even have to ask for citizenship. Citizenship, you should get a nice, you should get a pat on the butt. You should get a, <laughs> you should get a peck on the cheek. You should get one of those statues, Statue of Liberty you could squeeze on a, on a head or, or up that giant schmuck because you served this country. All right? Give me a squeeze for America. Oof, so, now I'm done. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I agree. There's a, I mean, so, there's a lot of, I mean, I don't know if they, there's the debate up in the high ranks about any of this but you know people yeah. are looking more into into the uh, the border vets issue and mm-hmm. what's leading to that right like don't get me wrong if the crime is bad and and you, you betray your country and you're not a citizen yeah by all means of course yeah you know but anything that says honorable but, discharge you serve yeah, well, x yeah. amount of years with this with exactly. honor and distinction you know, and a lot of this issues happen sometimes after they're 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 out of the army, so the army says, "Oh, they don't belong. Or they're not in the army, right?" So that's why they kind of disguise it. They're vets, so a lot of that, you know, they come out with, you know, PTSD and and, and other personal issues, and that you know, the help sometimes in different states is not there. So, yeah. so the army says, "Not my issue," and then become they they do something criminal, or they. You know they need me- medication or for mental health help whatever it is but then that is not your problem anymore that's what they're saying so they're not citizen and what they do they end up deported so it is sad to see that so again we're just shining some light on issues like this so that's yeah. what we're doing is just you know things that matter like something like that we yeah. just talk about more so. importante more, more importante, more importante. Yeah. So what? Listen, COVID hit us. COVID hit us, and I know you're catching up on your video games. What What are you playing? What are you playing, Oz? Uh, I played. I play a bunch of phone games. I played PUBG Mobile. It's just my little drug. That's neurologically addicting, man. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Need to I do, that I do play it religiously every day after my kid goes to sleep, and sometimes uh, I don't wake up for my wife to go to sleep, but. Uh, yeah, I have called uh, Call of Duty too on PS4, but and I have all the Zeldas. I played all the new Zeldas. That's my that's my favorite of all time. Zelda, yeah, the man. Nintendo Switch or all the I have them all. 
Yeah. Oh, you do? I have them all. Oh, yeah. my God. I buy them all. Nintendo Switch is the game to play because they're games like that, Gauntlet or whatever. Um, back in the day, you could just play all day. And Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, that I played all of, those. Like, that was one of my favorite ones. We, I mean, you know, games... Talk about, like, single mode. It was, like, first... Yeah. It was, you know, you know like, uh, player movement? What do you call that? Like, Grand Theft Auto with a player... The, or, or, like, Call of Duty where you, you move the player. Like, this is single player movement. I think, like, Zelda no, was one Resident, of the first ones. No, I think it was Resident Evil. Oh, you, I, don't, I don't remember. Like Ocarina of Time. The little, the little thing moving around and the screen, you know, um, like a almost a 3D. First person? Or? First person, that's what it's called. Now, I think the the first one, first one was uh, Doom, back in the time. Oh, Doom, okay. That yeah. was like, or uh, the, uh, what's the, the dinosaur movie? Um, was it that dinosaur movie that's famous? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park? Yes. The Jurassic Park game back early in the 90s. That was first, like the first, first one, first person. Wow. One of those. I'm very kind of like savvy of games because I'm, I'm actually doing a video game series as well. So, uh, but I'm also a big gamer. The reason why I learned English in Cuba was because I spent my time playing Zelda day and night. Am, I, am I allowed to talk about that script? No, don't be a, no. Right. You're not allowed to talk All about right. that. Okay. We're actually in discussions right now with Top Damn, Time. don't say candy, man, three times. Jason, you I got mean, a big mouth, dude. What <laughs> you're the not hell, man? About that. But yeah. you can say that it's funny as hell. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's a, it's it's just a story about gamers and and that's the actual game of the name of the show and um let me just move this a little closer cuz I feel like I keep moving back every time to get comfy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a very fun. I just sent it to you to see what you thought because uh, you know I wanted to to get your opinion and that and was hilarious, dude. It, it's funny as hell. And then, you know, it's something like even if it were a sitcom like Shit's Creek or um, oh, The Office, where it's like a comedy without the laugh track, which is where yeah. you where you have that acute humor where, where the audience yeah, has that's to, what it is. Where yeah. the audience has to stimulate them themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a multi. Mm-hmm. Um, a single camera show where the sitcoms are multi-camera shows, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it's definitely proposed to be the next uh, Silicon Valley or Chit's Creek. Like for the comedy is yeah. so raw and so crazy, that's what we're going for. So, you know, I think Jason Olive's working on something top secret too, and um, um, <laughs> I think when he's ready to, to um, spill the cat out of the bag on that, I'll have him on the show. I'd like him to talk about that. He's a pretty cool dude, man. Yeah, but for me, COVID, um, I got an edit- editing software for Christmas or whatever. So I used to be a video, Grand Theft Auto head, Call of Duty head. In fact, I could point my camera at these video games that are still on the wrapper. Oh, yeah. Right, you can see them right now. It's that when you, the, um, see the thing on the side, the, the knob on the side, you can tighten that if you need to raise that. On my side, it's... it's oh, yeah, no, no worries. I just don't want it to interfere with the All right, cool. camera. So no, I can see it. I can see the, is that a PS3? It's a, a th- that's three and a four. Yeah, it's a three and a four. The three and the four. Yeah, I have, I have a, a four and, it's and, still, and, and a switch. And these games like Spider Man still on the wrapper. Avengers, Marvel's Avengers that that just yeah. came out. Uh, the Jedi Fallen, Fallen whatever. Star Wars Fallen Jedi. Um, nope. Call of Duty. My new video game has been the software. I'm just, I've just been trying to find a way to um, make the podcast a little bit better. You know, and edit, edit icons in. Right now, uh, in this podcast, we got a little, a little bit of an echoey sound because it's the first time I've done a live shoot um, since COVID. You're my first guest, um, my first in studio, 
And um, I did have this issue before, and I got to figure out how I'm a, how, how I'm a, So how good. I'm a, as long as it's yeah. out and people can hear it, it will be fine. Yeah, that's fine. Well, the, it's never been about... The, the guest mic is always good. It's about me, and that's okay, too, because people are tired of hearing this one person anyway, I think, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, the reason why you have a podcast, right? It's supposed to be a conversation. I get that, but we got to get ours to get a word in. <laughs> oh, man, that's that it. One. That's the one you got to do tight. You got to do mad tight. Yeah, it's just slowly like, sliding Like a Cuban. Down. Slowly going down. It's give it, give it a nice Cubano, Cubano squeeze. Technical issues right here. There you go. Cool, man. Who's um, who's one of your favorite comedians you like listening to? Man, I mean that's that's a hard one. I mean, I, who's the first one that came to your mind? Go, Russell Peters. Russell Peters. <laughs> uh, I Russell like that Peters guy. is funny, dude. He's, he's a funny guy. I like uh, Joe. I like Kev, Joe. Kevin Hart is one of. I mean, lately he's been doing a lot of the same stuff, but. He's one of my favorites. He's, he's a good guy too. Um, I like yeah, a comedy is my thing. Like I, I, I really like a like, lot of the old ones. Like Richard Pryor has a they had a bunch of shows. I never caught any of those. Showtime. Yeah, wow. I came I came to this country a little savage, kind of late for those things. But like I I just been catching up a little bit on Eddie Murphy, like those old shows, and once in a while I watch you know those. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a tough com- time for comedians, though, right? I mean, COVID. It's so hard. You need, you now, need, forget I mean, about COVID. This whole cancel culture and people's oversensitive. Yeah, it's just that was like, the second thing. Yep. It's uh, it's the worst that happened to comedy. You know, that's why. I mean, I, uh, I, I, I'm not even gonna care about that. We're not gonna go and offend people when we do comedy, but at the same time, we're not gonna hold back because you know, kind of everybody's over that. Yeah. And, you, also, you and got in reality. You, even social before social media. There's no way that you can uh, supply everyone of the same. If somebody's or a group of people is going to be unhappy. You know, that's the thing that I grew up in. You cannot make everyone happy. It's impossible. No. The problem now is that this is megaphone of people talking in social media about how unhappy they are about everything, not just one thing, and then it's out there for everyone to see. Where before you didn't have that. And you still have the group of people unhappy, but okay, that's okay. They have a voice, but at the same time, you cannot make everyone happy. So you got to live with a group unhappy and then hopefully the 90 other percent happy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, and for me, I think Jamie Foxx said this. You got to let comedians work. You got to let them they, they say whatever they have. They have a bit. You know, and a lot of times before it goes like famous comedians before it hits like a big stage, the the comedy store or there's somewhere where where their bits they're gonna try out their bits. You know, off camera, no, they're not allowed to film or whatever. Yeah. And you have to see what works and what's funny and what's not. And I think if someone offends someone, then they offend someone. That's fine. They apologize. Then you gotta know they're they're, exactly. they're not out. They're not comedians are not out there directly to inflict or bully or or. Or target a specific group and, and make it their life's mission. That's bullshit. And like you yeah. said, cancel culture. Comedians I mean, are yeah. made, are like their job is to make people laugh. And if yes. you go to a comedy club mm-hmm. and there's something too rough there that you cannot take, probably you shouldn't be in that comedy club. Agree. You should be at home reading a book, something that makes you feel great. Well, remember, That's what, it. remember what Eddie Murphy... You're not going to go to a... Thank you. Let, let me just let me just say this: like you're not going to go. Uh, the first thing that came to mind because we're doing something in this area is um, you're not going to go to a public bathroom if you know you hate a public bathroom. They stink. 
They are horrible. Sometimes there's no water, toilet paper. You're not going to go in there because even though like, you really have to go, right? Like, you really have to go. You have the need to go. But you guess what? I'm going to hold it. Yes. Right? That's exactly. That's it. And I, that's why I love my analogies. They're horrible. Yeah. Uh, it's no, you're but you're not going to go to why do you go to a comedy club if you're going to be offended by something that they say? Like, all right. So check, I'll give you an example. In the early 80s, Howard Stern, like some of the outlandish shit he was saying and whatever and this and that. It was 81 percent. I'll give you a random number. were appalled by what they were hearing. Ninety one percent of that 81 percent are going to listen to him next week. <laughs> Um, and like you said, don't go to a place where you're expecting something, where um, where you, you, you know what's going to happen and think you're going to expect something different. Eddie yeah. Murphy, when he did Delirious, I think Eddie Murphy did it on, on, on Seven Days Notice. I think he was super subbing for, um, I think it was John Belushi. John Belushi like killed himself overdose on drugs and I think Eddie Murphy was just on stage moving back and forth just trying to find something that works. And he just said, um, old people get offended easily. Y'all should just get the fuck out now, <laughs> you know. And he said, in case you brought, I love those days, He said, man. in case you brought your kids, thinking you was gonna see the Eddie Murphy from Saturday Night Live, you're probably gonna be gonna be in for a surprise. Yeah. He says, if you want to see me on Saturday Night Live, you could watch it on Saturday night, and if you pay to see that, you're a stupid motherfucker. <laughs> so, so he, the only way he can be comfortable, he had to come right out the door and set set the rules. And set the rules, you know, and, and back yeah. then, you know, you could use the word faggot. He's like, faggots ain't allowed to look at my ass while I'm on stage. That's why I keep moving around. I don't know where the faggot section is. So so it's one of those <laughs> things where like a certain audience might find that funny. Um, and in yeah. the 80s, a large group of the audience might find that funny. But today, yeah, the, just today the afford itself is, 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 is um, hypersensitive. Yes. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like, um, I got flagged for hate speech on Facebook. Because what? somebody posted on my on my wall that a Canadian got arrested for blackface. He was just, he's famous for pulling like publicity stunts, and I typed "crazy Canadian," and I got flagged for hate speech for calling him a crazy Canadian. And I wrote to Facebook. I said I want because you know me, I want apologies from everybody today. I said I want a, a I want a letter of apology written by Facebook for for accusing me of of, of something so vile. Uh, a hate speech is actually allowing a black a guy with blackface on my Facebook wall. Hate speech is allowing you someone to post that this dude gets arrested for blackface on my wall. It is not hate speech to call a crazy Canadian a a, a Canadian. A Canadian Canada is not an ethnicity. <laughs> okay, it's, it's not hate speech. And and Canadians, last time I checked, are not a protected class. So they Facebook wrote a letter of apology to me. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I was pissed. I was pissed I'm, and, and I felt uncomfortable, like like I've been feeling uncomfortable lately, you know, which is why I'm making everybody apologize to me. Stop saying that I, this I am that I'm not. So 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 um, it's very, very easy for someone to just see something and then just go on the jump. Like Joe Rogan, right, uh, for months, even now is under hot water for um something that they call transphobic or homophobic comments. And 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 you tell me because we could have a debate about this. He said, look, there's a fighter, Fallon Fox, that was a man that had a sex operation. And within 11 months of that sex, sex operation was fighting in the women's division. Starching bitches. <laughs> okay. Listen, this, this fighter is like 25 and 1. And I'm like, 
Who's the one? First of all, to me, I'm like, who's the one that beat him? It was Leslie Smith, UFC fighter, and Leslie Smith could beat a lot of men, so that's not so surprising. So Joe said, look, we need to have a conversation about this. And when he said that, boom, because he's so popular now and because everyone's looking to a comedian for social advice and everyone's looking to a comedian for political advice, when he already said, don't listen to me, dude, I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> like, if you ask me what I do for a living, I'm going to say comedian first, UFC commentator second, and then whatever comes after that. And to me, I think it's unfair for us as for what we see physically, with our own two eyes and not like what we see and say, let's have a conversation. If I'm bigoted, show me why I'm bigoted and show me why that's okay. Mm. And I don't think he deserves that criticism. I want you to picture in your head a guy that has a sex operation, turns into a woman, and usually, like the hormone, the, so the, the big the, part the, here. No, but the hormonal balance, the hormonal balance thing, usually takes one to three years. Uh, I did my homework on that. Takes one to three years. Within eleven months, is fighting in a women's division, cutting yeah. weight to one thirty-five, and just the issue here is not, The issue here is that him or any of us is opposing to the sex. That will be the homophobic or any other negative yeah, like thing. Transphobic. We're not. We're not opposing, or nobody's opposing to the guy now being a girl nobody's saying don't do no. it or hating we're talking about just what you're talking about is just let's have a conversation well you can't let's not have, have a conversation, conversation about a person that used to be a guy with the features of a man mm -hmm. fighting in a comp like you know why so why it's then a, 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 you know the the saying that men sometimes or most times are stronger than women like would you put a guy to fight against a woman that's why they're Divisions of you know of men, that's yeah, yeah the yeah. male division and the female division. Um, if you ask me, I don't think it's correct, but that's for them to decide. Mm -hmm. um, again, men and women are built differently, and that is why there are divisions there. But at the same time, they make the decision. <laughs> We don't well, make the decision. I think the ones that agree with Joe the most are, are female fighters. Of course, they're, they're look, getting they're, if they're getting beat, they're getting beat by a person they don't think is fair, right? Because they were not born a woman, right? Yeah, Again, he wasn't. We're not. He against, wasn't speaking for the privileged white male. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, yeah. He was, he was speaking for female fighters. Yeah, exactly. I think one girl got her face broken. Unhappy, one got her orbital bone broken. The most I mean, unhappy people will be the fighters that get beat or. Or they have a fight coming up with this person. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, look, you got female fighters like Amanda Nunez, like that will fight you tomorrow, and if she gets beat up, she she's good with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's there are special outliers where we that I'll cite them, but we can't use that as an example for every female fighter. Yeah. So I don't think it's phobic because phobic in the classic sense of the word is you have a fear of what you don't understand. Joe's not afraid. He does. It's not. It's his. This. I mean, phobia is about a fear of what you don't understand, and and so I think so. For, so now, first of all, they're mis they're misusing the the, the definition. They're mischaracterizing it. Yeah. Um, you and I, we're having this conversation. We're not scared of transgender people. We no, we're not we, against we, it. No, and we and if you I, have I, the decision and you have the funds to do it, do it. Uh, but I, you know, when it comes to sports, which is our thing, I. Mm -hmm. Is there you know, a right way to do this? That's all Joe yeah, was saying. I mean, let's look, have a conversation. Look, let's just put the analogy into volleyball. If you have a six-seven guy who decides tomorrow that wants to become a woman, we're not gonna say, "Hey, don't do it." But is it fair to let the six-seven guy who doesn't need to jump 
now being a woman a year later to play in the women division is that fair let's just think about maybe that. a year later i think it's unfair three years later when when they the, when the uh, hormones me already... examined in the science where they make this full transformation uh, uh to to um uh what we, what we would call they or her um what have you um yeah yeah but but a year you know, in, 11 months in do dude, you let's think have a that, conversation do you think that the the athletes out there that have been fighting for a spot in the main draw or international tour will be happy with that let's just put that in the question out agree yep let's just put it out there yep. and then the people will when they get a perspective that they will understand that affects them then i think people understand more the, those out there commenting on those things probably because none of the things affect them. Well, to me, the the argument I have, like, look, if someone recognizes that black people are being untreated fairly by the police, are you going to have a conversation with a bunch of rich white girls, or rich fat white girls, or rich skinny white guys about how they should be treated and what's fair or not? No, you defer to a black person. You defer to someone at least African-American at, at the least and at the most someone who has been affected by the police. Yeah. And that's the argument I think we're agreeing on. If you want to, um, instead of just calling someone transphobic, oh, and why, oh, we're, we're going to cancel him and this and that. How about you get around to having a conversation to, with male fighters who may or may not agree with Joe or and female fighters who may, not, may or may not agree with Joe? Because when those headlines hit, that yellow, that form of yellow journalism. I'll bet you not one journalist. No, I'm not. If, you know, fuck that. I ain't calling them a journalist. Reporter, okay? Just a parrot. You see some? Probably want a cracker, okay? Mm-hmm. Just reporters, okay? I'll bet you not one reporter went to, uh, called up or reached out to an MMA fighter and asked them their their thoughts on that and to get a quote. Joe said this. We well, they know, did. We they're afraid. And people are afraid to talk. Or maybe they did. And they, people are afraid like, yeah. to talk mm-hmm. because of the whole situation. Like, you mm-hmm. cannot say, this is just insane what's happening, that you cannot even say what you think, and then everyone just jumps on you. Like, uh, I, I, it's, it's just very, yeah. very uh, uh, interesting. I think, look, there's a general set of rules that, that everyone should just be on board with, okay? Like... If you're a racist, like if you hate someone, if you think you're superior or inferior, if you think someone's superior or inferior based on their race, you're not on my fucking team, okay? Um, or, or anything else. Or like, like if you're down with like yanking kids from their parents at the border, that's not a part. That's not a Republican or Democrat thing. You're not on my fucking team. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, so, um, sorry. Some some governments more than, than I mean some. But like there's a general set of rules, but everything else in the middle, let's have, like you said, let's have a conversation, particularly with comedy. You got to let comedians Well, speak. I think it's more conversation and, mm-hmm. and then even after the conversation, understanding that you like New York pizza and I like, yeah. I hate Chicago pizza, but I might like Chicago pizza. And then you we are sitting here You son talking. of a bitch. I hate Chicago pizza. You son of a bitch. No, I hate it. <laughs> Honestly, with all my heart. Like every, like I've eaten it no. a certain amount of times. I've never had. I, I, I want to puke. I never had time. Chicago pizza. It's, it's not good. I had pizza real uno, those, but that's not Chicago for, for pizza. Those, just... For those Chicago pizza lovers in Chicago or here, I'm sorry for you. Uh, Take I, a trip I to New York. Yeah. <laughs> I make pretty good homemade New York pizza. Get yeah. out. Think, think cross, I think it's my thing. Get out. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, cool, man. Me and my wife. My wife must, does more though at work. I like that. That's that's freaking awesome. Yeah, but you know, going into that is is you know we're gonna like different things, 
and the craziness now is turning it's turning it to a new level where people do not agree do not agree with others and they just decide that I don't like you because I disagree which I mean it's it's things that by any time used to happen but it's lazy yeah like people don't even open themselves to have a conversation yeah that that argument yeah I mean I have a social media wall um whatever under my name and basically I set a rule just one general rule that's worked so far um if you want to have a discussion you want to have an argument Make sure you attack the argument and not the person's character. And I've actually threatened. I'm gonna delete yeah. your I'm gonna delete your comments if 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 you call someone a name. So I have a post. It's 150 comments, and now we're having a conversation. I, I post something else, you know, maybe about the VP debate or this or that. Um, and now people are having honest. Do you do you honestly think that Trump's gonna lose this? Do you so now so now there's a little bit of. Um, uh, uh, passive aggressive going on, but that that comes with just just sticking to your argument. It hasn't yeah. gotten to personal where you where you calling someone stupid and this and that. And now I've actually created this this thing just on on Facebook, just this platform where everybody where where people who have, um, like you said, cr- creative differences can come can come and talk. And I'm not talking about people who are so far gone to the left, or so far gone to the right where they that. They're shutting their eyes and they're shutting their ears and they don't want to hear nothing. Those are those are the people you do. Those are the comments you just skip, because yeah. th- those people who are way this way and way this way are made are trying to make you believe that the people who are in the middle yeah. are this small number of people. It's the biggest lie in social in social structure and in politics and yeah. and in our ways as as um, human beings in everyday life. We are the people in the middle are not the smallest number. The people in the middle. Are the biggest number the majority, yeah. 41 percent. I'll go, I'll I'll say 41 uh, percent. 41? Well, registered independents. Let's just say, uh, I mean, if you're just talking about political parties, the swing swing vote, you mean, yeah, but like people who are not registered as a Democrat or Republican in this country, the lowest number is 39 percent that I saw, and the highest number is 41, 42 percent. So, if you consider how that slides, that's that pie sliced up with the other two, yeah. Um, unless the, there's the a significant majority. skewing, that's the majority. Yeah, I get you. So if that's just people who are registered, can you imagine Republicans who don't like Trump? Can you imagine Democrats who are, who are thinking, oh, Biden's, Biden's coming into November on a dementia drumstick? Uh, what that does is bring more people to the middle. And, yeah. and these people are, are being gaslight, gaslighted into silence because, like you said, they'd rather not say anything at all. Then try to say something, just have a conversation, and yeah. just get and get bunched up on by people so far this way and far far that way. They they stick together, Oz. They stick yeah. together to make themselves look like there's more of them than you, yeah. you know. And that's and that's the biggest lie in the United States of America right now. The people in the middle yeah. are the minority. Well, I mean, it's it is crazy times. I don't I don't even want yeah. to talk politics. I never Me understood. neither. Me I, neither. I don't understand. I don't understand it very much. I Be, Look, before Obama, I stayed out of it in Cuba because yeah. obvious reasons and yes. I try to stay out of it here too because it's insane. But I, I mean either way that you go is just like you're never going to be right. So But look, no, but look no at our vo- look at our circles. Look at our volleyball circles. We're all decent. Everyone we know uh, and some I know are left and some are right. These are not 
someone's not less of a, a, a decent human being because they don't see their politics yeah. my way. Before well, I see, even knew who they voted for, I yeah. thought they were good people. And that's where everyone needs to chill. But yeah, yeah, you see people on Facebook calling you, like you said, getting person calling you names like, I don't want to be your friend because if you vote for Trump or whatever, if you vote for this person, it's like... Gosh, like you really, how, want, you how, really how, want to have a fight over someone you never met before in your exactly. life. Someone that wouldn't piss on you if you caught fire. Ah, let's be real. Politics is the dirtiest business in in, in the world. They're loving so, this right now. And, and then you, you, you can there's 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 people on social media and in person arguing and going to the rallies and you know having these people getting confronting against against each other and then goes the same people that are putting against this this you know other people against each other. They're going and making deals, sitting and drinking some some whiskey and it's like wrestling. Jess, Jesse Ventura said that he says, you know, I, "I was such a good politician because politics is like wrestling. We pretend to hate each other." He says yeah. they pretend to hate each other on they stage for the nation to see, like and then when the, when the cameras are away, they the, the things that people don't understand is that they need each other. Yep. For passing bills, for passing things. Yep. And when you need each other, you cannot really step on the other person. You will talk crap. It's kind of like being on the court. Let's just put that analogy. Yeah, being if you're in a tournament, court, someone roughing your game. Side, <laughs> if you're on the other side, I will. I want to just eliminate you. But when we're outside of the court, and the game's over. The game is over. Let's have a drink. Let's have a drink. Yeah. yeah. So let's. Or put someone roughing my game in pool. I'm like, dude, I gotta play you later <laughs> on. Why don't you be a little bit nicer? You don't want to give me no extra, you know. Yeah, but I mean, motivation. again, it's just dirty, and mm -hmm. I, I, I prefer not to even think about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, we ain't got. I don't watch. Now. I was zero news. Zero yeah. news. I um. I I'm too, so, I become sick from watching. I, I don't watch the news anymore, and it's yeah. because I become um, psychologically sick from it. And then later on, I started to become a little bit physically sick. And and some of the my immune system, the 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 extent of me having the flu is I cough for like two hours and it's gone. I'm I'm like the Wolverine. Okay. Yeah. So for me to feel physically sick over something, uh, again, over. Let's say the two candidates are running, and I never met either one of them. Yeah. If I tell myself the truth, I, they probably don't care about me personally. They never met me either. Yeah. You know, if I caught fire, they wouldn't throw water on me. If the, you know, um, um, yeah. So the last thing I heard, I saw it, and this is interesting. Where does all our campaign money go from? Like the donations. When I find out where where that goes to. And I found like the legal loopholes, how like people get to keep, uh, uh, there's a legal loophole that allows a candidate to keep the money. I stopped watching the news. I stopped watching the news. Wow. For those of you listening at home, and I sound like I'm talking too much, but now I just, I just stumbled on important information because it ain't just about us, it's about people listening. Three, three things legally happen to your campaign money. One, it gets returned to you after the run is over. That's one option. Two, it gets funneled to um, another candidate who's running in the same political party. Mm -hmm. Three, it's kept in escrow and, and, uh, for that, the same candidate's future run. But Congress passed a legal loophole about a decade ago called the Leadership Pack. And, and I'm not going to get into the details of it, but, but, but basically, common denominator, it, it's a loophole that allows the candidate running to keep a chunk of, of, if not all of the money. So, you know, if you believe in someone, you man, you better, you better, <laughs> you better believe, you better believe. Yeah. You better believe in that person. They've never seen that money. Not even your tax return. <laughs> oh, man, shit. Oh, we did it? We done? 
Well, you want to feed me down? Yeah, yeah man. What you? Anything you want to plug? Uh, films or, or like your production? Any site you want? You no, want to? No, you want to do a, before a, we before good. we bounce I, out of here? I I I'd rather keep it on the on the wraps. I don't I don't All like right. to promote too much. Right. We'll do the promotion later on the bigger scale. You know, we'll throw out a, a we'll throw out a, um, a writing piece out there in the in the magazines or social media, whatever. But yep. You know, we've been doing this for actually close to two years, and nobody really knows about it. So nah, <laughs> I don't. I don't really care. Like that's all. Yeah, nobody really knew. Like I tell people what I do. It's like really, yeah. yeah. I don't really expose that. I'll tell. I don't have to. Yeah. Say it to to everyone. So well, you know, I know you you disappeared from volleyball a lot to do this, and I miss you. Um, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, um, it's it's a fun thing. I just want to stay in shape and and compete. I want to compete, but at the same time, you know, you have family. Yeah. You got. And there are also things. some things you can do longer than play volleyball, right? Like what you're doing right now, you can do. You well, can do to the day you die until you until you, that until you have only two brain cells volleyball, left. Volleyball, unless you want to run for president. There's volleyball for a career in college. Yeah. There's volleyball for a career as a professional, and as you say, your chances at either male, female, female actually. The women volleyball, if you're decently good, you have a higher chance because that mix is yeah. It's kind of like choppy, right? The yeah. Players that and there's always going to be more scholarships but for female men, volleyball than men. Men's volleyball is so competitive, but mm-hmm. at the same time, there's zero money. No, even zero for college, money. like even Division One, they can only offer a maximum of four point five scholarships. No, no, I'm talking about like the professional. Oh guys, no, oh, hell zero no. money. Maybe the top three. We all know this. Mm-hmm. Something that we'll constantly yep. talk about. Top three make something. Everybody else has to have a job or two jobs and survive somehow unless you're rich and yeah. you know oh. your family supports you. Or you got sponsors out of the wazoo. Big up to the McKibbins, <laughs> man. They, yeah, yeah. The McKibbins yeah, yeah. won an amazing well, I mean, race. That's it. That's Did you see Amazing example. Race last night? I, I didn't see yeah, it. I'll, okay. I'll catch up later mm-hmm. on that. But the example uh, to do it right is the McKibben brothers. But at the same time, that's just one. Yeah. Right? Yep. And they're not in the main draw. Yeah. Well, they, they knew their brand would make more money than the brand makes than breaking up. Than, than breaking up. They can. They can. They can survive with that brand. Yeah. Uh, they do really, really good. Everything they do is actually yeah. really good. So, um, but that's one. That's the thing. Like all the other guys that we all know, they're hustling to make it. They're struggling. Yeah, they are. They have to live at home with their families. Or they have. They need somebody that kind of sponsors them. But what does that sponsor mean? Hmm. Like somebody that's lending you money. You know, like a lot of guys live in the East Coast. They're they're not able no. to move here. Agreed. Yeah, it's yeah. cheaper out there. It's so expensive. That's the other part. LA yeah. is like it's the mecca, but at the same time, it's so expensive. Do you really? Can you really keep up a full time job? With no, you better you better find a sugar mommy or something. Yeah, yeah I mean, you some people be, did that. <laughs> I'm yeah, not gonna man. say any names, but yeah, a lot of people thought I did that. <laughs> you know. But the cool thing is, like, a lot of people also don't know I'm 50. They so they, they don't know I work. No, no, I'm they don't talking know. about. I'm talking about young. Guys. No, of course. No, that's what I'm saying. Sugar mommy is for young dudes. It's not for old dudes. Like oh, you yeah. know, I worked in a cardiology practice for 17 years okay. before I even you know before I even met my my um how could I say my awesome girl <laughs> my life force. <laughs> but hey guys, before we go, if you're not a millionaire by the time you're 40, make sure you're married to one. But okay. Why, why, but why wait to 40? Let's just. Do it at <laughs> Yeah, you got 10 years to squeeze out play, some puppies. Play, play the lottery. <laughs> and that's how we're going to end. 
right. Um, Ozmat, love you guys, but I had enough of you, okay? For all of you at home, for all of you on your iPads, for all of you on your iPhones at Starbucks on the lunch line but want to listen to us, for all of you on your desktop who runs the world, old school, old school. For Oz Borges, I am Jason DeBiss. This is episode 58 of the Option Podcast, and we say... We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Angel. You're going to love what you hear.